0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: What's up, guys? It's your boy Dylan at Thunder Jazz, and I'm here with a word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Just head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that is BLEAV50 in all capital letters, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Huntzinger at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and I'm joined by two lovely gentlemen today. First off, we've got my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, the Alejandro Alex Roy. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We uh, took my daughter to a birthday party, and they had like
2: a uh, an Orbeez um, paintball thing, and so I was just capping fools all day, man. It was, it was fun. It was fun.
1: Yeah, I, I had a similar situation with uh, Slade's birthday party, like, I don't know, it was probably about a month and a half ago, but it was like Nerf, it was Nerf, and it was like a uh, like a ninja obstacle course place, and so, like, it, it got wild, it, it was a lot <laughs> of fun, though, it was a lot of fun, though, but hey, it's not just me and you, man, we are joined by the one that had his mouth just torn up in wisdom teeth surgery, he's been in recovery, but he's doing better now, the chipmunk cone how are you sir uh
0: better now uh god yeah last week or so was rough um yeah uh for those of you who out there who haven't gotten your wisdom teeth out yet a lot of people are tell me oh it won't be that bad i'm here to tell you be straight up it sucks um that was awful it was like the worst week uh pain and comfort wise in my life um only being a, you know you think like when you're younger the idea of like oh like milkshakes like all the time pudding like that all sounds good i was dying for anything that wasn't like a liquid food i just was so sick of the texture man um today's the first day that i can talk mostly without discomfort it still is a little uncomfortable so if my voice sounds weird that's why but man and I also i couldn't make youtube videos or anything like i forget how much i, revol- I like re- do everything based on my voice mm-hmm. like had family members being like like oh how are you doing and i just have to give them like a thumbs up thumbs down or they could just tell by the look on my face that i cannot talk to you right now uh, <laughs> so it was not great uh but i am back now so i'm doing all right now that i'm on the mend uh hoop the last two days for the first time in the week that i hadn't been able to and of course yesterday playing as i should have expected i got hit in the face twice oh, once no. with an arm once no. with the ball like a rebound just deflected straight into my face um, and I had told my teammates, like, I got my wisdom teeth. out. I was like, if I'm not playing well, I'm sorry. It's been a week since I played. I just got back from wisdom teeth recovery and I got hit in the face. And one of the guys goes, Ooh, he just got his teeth out. So, um, my team was standing <laughs> oh, up for man.
1: me, but that's uh, tough, man. yeah, it happens. That's tough. I feel horrible. Yeah. Chelsea had I- to have one wisdom tooth cut out and she was out for like, you know, that evening and she was fine the next day. So like when he was still recovering after a week, I was like, you know like you know what's going on here and then i asked you and you was like oh you had to get like all your wisdom teeth cut out man it was not good bro the uh, the bottom two like weren't even close
0: to being in yet like they were way deep in there so Ugh. yeah that was uh it was a good time you know fun for the whole <laughs> fun for the whole family
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely hey and speaking of good time man um the guy Chet Holmgren, put on a show yesterday alongside of another uh, NBA rookie superstar, Palo Bancaro in the crossover league for Jamal Crawford um, against Jay McDaniels for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm like, guys, you know, this was, let's call it what it is. It's a glorified pickup game. It was a pro-am. There was a bunch of players that we never heard of in there, but it doesn't change the fact that we got to see these guys, you know, really go at it. Like, um, they had a target on their backs very early on, specifically Chet. Um, like, they was coming right at him on both ends of the floor. Um, but I, I really enjoyed what I saw. Um, you know, we aren't going to just sing large item because, you know, this this wasn't, like, an actual game. But, like, Alex, like, um, you know, what what did you see from Chet? Like, what was something that, like, you was really excited about from watching that, if you got really excited from watching a pro I mean, it was just it, it was very exciting just to see him
2: out there and showing what he can do. Like he, you know, we we didn't get to see Chet versus Paolo in summer league, yeah. you know, unfortunately because you know Paolo sat out that game. I think he had an ankle injury or something like that, or he was just a little bitch, whatever. <laughs> but but we we finally got to see it. They were on the same team, oh, which is fun. You know, they were on the same team, which is fun. Um, it was just it was good to see. Like, everything that Chet is built to be, you know, this great defensive player, um, this guy that has an offensive skill set that, you know, we probably haven't seen in too many players prior to him, um, but that we're probably going to see in players in the future a lot more, um, just kind of show itself out there. You know, he had eight blocks, he had, you know, a couple of Dirk moves, he had a couple of step back threes um that you know that fake, that pump fake and dunk from like right past the free throw line um it was just it was just on full display and it was just fun to see you know and, and that's what summer league that's what summer ball is like summer pickup ball is just fun to see you know the guys out there enjoying themselves and just showing what they can do on that stage so you know that was
1: just fun to see and
2: you know it was fun that he actually performed up to standard
1: yeah Yeah, it would have been really bad if like, you know, everybody tuned into this uh, crossover league, you know, the NBA decided to stream it, which was really awesome, because, you know, we we were all like kind of scrambling, trying to find a way to watch it. And so it's really cool for the NBA to do that. But it would have been really bad if everybody tuned in to saw that. And Everybody went right at Chet and just destroyed him and made him look silly, kind of like oh, yeah. Poku did in the G League. Like, Poku's never, like, you know, showed out in the G League like some other players have. But, yeah, it was not the case. Uh Cone, what was your takeaway, man? What did you like what you saw? What did you oh. like what you saw? You know, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll try to go off of that.
0: Um I mean, stuff of me that comes to mind is, like, the, t- the time when he kind of bit on a pump fake um for the block and then it got passed off to another guy and he like almost like double jumped in the air and still got the block that was dope Mm -hmm. um the uh, couple step back threes that he hit it's just stuff that like sure it's a program game like of course he's blocking these dudes and you know he's gonna make a lot of shots but it's stuff that he can replicate in games like mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to jump again that quickly he's still gonna be able to do that against nba talent of course the shot might go up sooner so he might not get the block but can still get that contest really quickly he still has the ability to hit shots like those step back threes it's It's really promising stuff. And like you both were saying, yeah, it would have been rough if he went out there like Taylor Horton Tucker went out and played in the Drew League and had like a very mediocre game. I think he had like 14 points. He shot like under 50 percent. Like it was rough and people were giving him hell for it. So I can't imagine a guy like Chet who has this huge target on his back as a second overall pick that a lot of people are very quick to hate on if he went out there and he struggled like mm-hmm. it would have been rough it would have been really tough to be a thunder fan on the timeline so the fact that he went out and dropped like what it was like 34 13 someone yeah. said eight blocks i am like 99 percent sure he had double digit it, blocks it felt like a lot more yeah i there's no way he only had eight blocks out there um so probably a triple double um with blocks rebounds and points um uh, It was just really fun to watch, watch him and Paolo. Of course, Paolo ended up dropping like 50, I think, Mm -hmm. um, out there. He's really fun as well. And it was just cool to see two guys that we're not going to get to see on the same team. At least, you know, maybe some point down the line, somehow they end up on the same team. Um, Hopefully that's in Oklahoma City and not Orlando or L.A. or whatever. Team Um, USA. Team USA. That's a good one. (laughs) Um, So maybe at that point. But um, just to see the top two picks in the league get to play together. Like uh, also them. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins are playing in the crossover league right now together. Um, they did a double alley-oop where Trey yeah, passed it to DeJounte. Yeah, he went up and under and passed it off the backboard to John Collins. It was dope. I love these, like, I feel like it, we typically don't see this many players play in, like, pro-am leagues over the course of the summer. I wonder if, I don't know what's different about this summer. Maybe it's because COVID. Everyone's like, ah, you know, I just want to go out and hoop more. Uh, but it's been really fun to watch. And, of course, getting to see, like, Chet go out and play. Uh, it was sick. So the one thing that I, I really enjoyed was that Paolo performed
2: exceptionally well. He looked he looked like a monster out there. Like, if this is the Paolo that we're going to see in Orlando, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a real good player. But it was fun seeing that and not having to worry about Paolo being the third pick and us having, an, you know, having the opportunity to maybe pass on him and take Chet instead, where yeah. Paolo was the first pick. We didn't have a chance at him at all. And we got Chet and he's great also, you know, but it's just like one of those things that you look at and you're like, Oh my gosh, it'd be, he, if he can, if, he, if he's going to play like that in the league, that's, that's a different kind of monster right there. He,
0: his offensive game is so ridiculously polished yeah. already. It, Every time he's on the court, he looks like one of the best players. He, it really showed why they were the top two picks. Like, it's a pro am league, whatever, but just the stuff that they're doing, like, they made it look like it was a pro am league. And they're two guys that haven't played NBA Minute yet. Well. Um, Chet dominating defensively of course hitting Dirk fade step back threes Paolo just destroying basically anybody except for that time where Chet got the block and the Paolo got dunked on right afterwards was wild, um, which was rough Paolo didn't see that one coming <laughs> um, so other than that dominating basically every turn the two of them
1: yeah and you know uh, kind of talking on what Connor was talking about how you know you don't see a lot of players you know really putting themselves out there at this point in the summer as much as they have this year And I mean, it's kind of like a movement, like, you know, more players elected to play at the combine and five on five drills than, you know, usual, Um, you know, in summer league, Josh Getty was playing every freaking game. He could just because he wanted to be out there. He wanted to be hooping. And, you know, now you see guys like Palo and Chet and, you know, even LeBron, you know, playing in the Drew League, DeMar DeRozan, like, you know, all these other guys, you know, going out there and just, just hooping, like putting themselves out there because, you know, they want to hoop, like, it's it's really fun to see, and it's like an awesome time for fans. Um, just a couple other things on chat because you guys covered pretty much everything, but uh, I, I do want to say, you know, we talk about how this is a pro am league and he was going against you know below par competition, but on the other side of that team was Jaden McDaniels for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he actually outscored Paolo <laughs> on the unofficial box score with 52 points on his own. Like Jaden McDaniels was out there hooping, and um you know, we we talk about the things that Chet was able to do on the court and how you can take it with a grain of salt, um, but also be impressed with the skill. But when he goes up and meets Jaden McDaniel at the apex of like him trying to dunk on him and takes the ball away, like I put stock in that because Jaden McDaniel's like, he displayed some ridiculous athleticism that we haven't seen from him on the NBA court, which is called what it is. Um, I mean, he's a guy that's 6'9", six, 6'10", six and, you know, he's looking to take another, uh, step or a leap as the Timberwolves are moving into a more competitive uh, window um, in terms of their team building. And Chet just going up there and racing his shot at the rim. Like, I mean, that I, I put high stock in that. Now, he did get the best of him early on. Um, he got him with a hezzy at the top of the key, and you know, he got him, he went inside for the layup and he did beat Chet on that. But you know, it, it was cool to see Chet kind of get his revenge on that. But, um, Not only that, you know, something that I wanted to point out that, you know, this is the type of atmosphere that Paolo especially thrives in. Jaden, I wouldn't think so, but, you know, apparently he does. But, like, this isn't the type of atmosphere that Chet really thrives in. Like, um, he had a – he had one alley-oop thrown to him off an inbound. Like, it was sweet. (laughs) Like, it was awesome. Um, But that was literally the only bucket that he really had – anybody create for him like he had to create a lot for himself and he has the ability to do that but that's not his role on our team that's not his role in the NBA that wasn't his role in college like he's not a primary shot creator and he was asked to do all that but you know despite him playing out of his comfort zone he was still able to you know kind of show up and show out Um, you know despite all that so that was encouraging to see but yeah I mean overall it, it was just a win for Thunder fans just to see more chat playing i know everybody was upset but understand you know they understood that you know why he had to be pulled out of the last couple of summer league games but it was fun to see him out there uh he did have me uh kind of sweating a few times early in the game when guys were you know playing a little bit physical with him with him in the air taking a couple of falls i did not appreciate seeing but you know he bounced back and you know came back and was competing all the same so yeah, Love what I saw. Anybody got any final takeaways from Chat at the Crossover League?
0: Uh, I would real quick like to use this opportunity where we're talking about Jade McDaniels uh, to say that I think the Timberwolves are going to be ridiculous next season, and I wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed the one seed.
2: Oh, Ooh, snap!
0: Yeah. So, okay, I would, just, I would just like the opportunity to say that uh, real hot, quick. I, hot fire. Hot fire. Man, I am so high on that Timberwolves team. Jade McDaniels is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, I think Gobert and Cat is going to work out. I like Kyle Anderson off the bench. Sorry, this isn't a Timberwolves mm-hmm. podcast, but uh, I just got very excited by then like seeing what Jay McDaniels did uh, yesterday, just further kind of cemented that. But I would not be surprised if they go out there and I think it would be kind of like a jazz situation where they could go out and get the one seed. But most people are like, oh, you know, like they're not the favorite. Like there's mm-hmm. other teams like Golden State, like. Phoenix, Denver, Los Angeles, stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if if they went out and grabbed the top three seed in the West. They are going to be ridiculous in my opinion. So just want to throw that out there and put this in a recording uh, because I haven't made a YouTube video about it yet. Um, Yet is the keyword there because I'm going to make sure to get that on um, recording so that way when I'm wrong about it and the is actually stuck, <laughs> uh, people can let me know about it you but wa- curse exactly. so this might actually have just screwed them here but wanted to put that out there on the podcast for the people so
1: I love it that is that's amazing. Uh, Alex, do you got anything else point. to say about it? No nah, man just I mean just this is probably the last little
2: you know sliver of basketball that we're gonna see until until late September. Um, so I mean I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was good to see. And it was good to see our guy actually, you know, going out there and performing
1: good. Yep. And before we move on, I just want to point out that Jay McDaniels was taken with the pick that we traded to get Alex looks in that draft. So anyways. All right. Um, so Thunder news. Don't uh, care. Love Poku. Shout out Poku. Thunder legend. Oh man, I wanted Jay McDaniel's and Tyrese Maxey so bad in that draft. Uh, it, it hurts my heart. So, anyways, Thunder news.
2: Hey, so, but if we would if we would have had them, we wouldn't have sucked enough to get the number two pick.
1: Yeah.
0: W- wins and losses here. Yeah. We yes. Take what we can
1: get. All right. You know what? That's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. All right, but anyways, Thunder news, guys. We had an exciting day. I think it was. Was it Monday or Tuesday? It was Monday or Tuesday. Um, Woj was just dropping Thunder News left and right. Uh, Starting off, well, we'll we'll get to the big news in a second. But um, the second thing that he announced was Vince Rossman of the Philadelphia 76ers was brought in to be, what was it, the... uh, what was the title it was intelligence and was identification i think identification and intelligence um what was it supervisor or vice, pres-
0: vice president of identification and intelligence vice it, vice chancellor of all that assistant to the vice president of identification and intelligence officially
1: Man, I put that out on Twitter. I was like, he can't keep getting away with this, just making these these, these made up titles. Yeah, can Sam Presty hire one of us as like
0: the fourth lieutenant of identification and, um, I already forgot it. identification and intelligence. That's what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, somebody was, uh, was like the executive of Foresight and something else. Like, yeah. He's just, he's just like, it's like he's playing Scrabble. With like these titles and stuff, nobody money money launderers like Sam. Yeah,
0: but I've, here's my thing: when I see a title like that, like whenever you
2: put, so you know, we know VP stands for Vice President, mm-hmm. but VP sounds so much more official than Vice President. Like, you it know, does. Rosman is the VP of Identification and Intelligence. Like, that sounds a lot more official and a lot more. It almost sounds more gangsterish than Vice President <laughs> of Identification and you know it just i don't know it's just something that I kind of just struck out to me
1: well it's like ceo sounds better than chief executive officer so yeah makes sense um but yeah man we brought in Vince Rosman for the from the 76ers um you know the i, I the, the big thing that i think was brought up is he was instrumental in drafting Tyrese Maxey uh, i believe Mat- Matisse Thibel as well um if there's anybody else correct me if i'm wrong on that but you know he has an eye for talent and, you know, it's, it's kind of a win for the program. And I think, uh, Sam Hinke, you know, the, the founder of the process, the pioneer of the process, if you will, uh, went out there and quote tweeted and, you know, was just lamenting like, you know, how great of a hire that it was for the Thunder and how Vince Rosman is going to be the next person to, you know, get a chance to be, you know, a GM for a team. So, uh, Cone, you know, you're, you're kind of more, <clears throat> more of an NBA head than anybody on the podcast. Uh, you got ties with the 76ers with your brother being such a big fan. So like, uh, what, what do you feel about this hire? Um,
0: yeah, I can't say I know a ton about him. I will say anyone who drafted like as much as his offense, that needs a lot of work. Matisse Thybul being a guy who can come off the bench and win all defense um, as well as Tyrese Maxey. Like he clearly does have an eye for talent. Also, I think the praise from Sam Hinkie goes a long way. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a Sam Hinke, um supporter. I think that he was done completely dirty by the NBA. Yep. Um, he pioneered the way for what we're doing now. So if he has Sam Hinckley's stamp of approval, he has mine. Um, and I think it just shows a lot how, in a weird way, it feels like we're gearing up for something um, by bringing in just new guys. It also shows how Sam is continuously working to you know, lead the NBA pack, starting off with this insane, never-before-seen level of draft asset accumulation that he's doing with young talent as well. Like coming in, like rehabilitating older players. We saw it with like Al Horford, bringing guys in, rehabilitating them, and then sending them on their way. Um, We saw it with Chris Paul. He people were like, "Oh, his contract's ridiculous," and then we brought him in. He played incredible as well. Like. Sam has kind of been pushing NBA boundaries for a few years now, and he just continues to do it by continuing to bring in more front office talent. I don't think we've seen uh, another front office just hire guys the way that the Thunder do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bet there's no other team out there with a VP of identification and intelligence. I think um, it will
1: make a position for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So I think it just goes a long way to show like, how how much he's how much care and how much detail he's looking into this whole thing it's not just about the roster it's not about coaching which you know we'll get to a coach in a second um But it's also about like your front office. We saw teams like the Golden State Warriors are a great example. They've had an incredible front office for years, and that's a big reason why they were so successful because their front office was really sound and they had a lot of great minds to put together this roster, the talent, and continue to not just – keep that talent but accumulate more talent because guys shuffled in and out role players but regardless of who came in and who left they always were able to bring in new guys it also does help that they're in california and they were probably the most talented team of all time for a couple of seasons <laughs> but anyway i mean part of that is though i guess the front office stuff so um, i just think it shows that sam is continuing to show a lot of dedication to the details with not only like focusing on the roster and the draft picks and the coaching but also the front office
1: Yep, absolutely, man, from the top down. Uh, Alex, how, how are you feeling about it, man? Um, so
2: I have a, a take on this. Um, oh,
1: man. So, okay, so number one,
2: uh, it's a great hire. Uh, it is a great hire. Uh, from everything I've read, of course, you know, when it comes to those front office guys, you don't really, you know, th- there's no stats. Like you, you, don't, you don't have a, you know, yeah. you can't go on NBA Reference and see their stats. He has a four um,
0: Raptor. I just looked it up.
2: Exactly. Yeah, he he has a he has a three LeBron. You know, like like there's there's no stats like that. So when it comes to these guys, once they're hired, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go and and, and suss through all the, uh, you know, through through that previous team's, you know, all their different web pages and all the different fan pages, and you read through it and you see what kind of guy you got. Um, and so Rosman. Is a guy that he's been with the Sixers. He was with the Sixers for 15 years, basically started from the bottom, you know, and he became director of scouting, you know, eventually moved to another position and eventually ended up as assistant GM. Um, And so, in reading this article that I, I read, Rosman himself was like, he said, and I quote, to be able to speak all three of those languages, scouting, analytics, and salary cap, is helpful because it's hard to divorce one from the others when you're trying to make a decision sounds very much in in, in key and in tune with someone Sam Presti would hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this guy, you know, Sam Presti, he loves to, he loves to build, he loves to take a guy and build him up. Um, and so I believe, this is my hot take. I believe that uh, we're seeing the next GM of the Oklahoma city of Thunder
1: a predecessor
2: in Vince Rosman
1: a successor yes
2: i do believe because i, I think and and I, and I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow that's not that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying you know once this team right here once this iteration of this team is done with and we all know that you know the lifespan of a team of a, of a of a team you know that can go from no playoffs to playoffs to championship contender that lifespan can be five to seven seasons, you know? So once this iteration of the Thunder kind of ends and kind of, you know, dies out, um, I do believe that Stan Presti will probably step away, you know, maybe go to another team, maybe do other things, whatever. Um, and Rosman will step, step in and become the the next GM for the, for the Thunder.
1: All right. Interesting. I like it. Um, something that i you know, with, with the whole intelligent and, Information was a VP of intelligent information. I already forgot.
0: Identification.
1: Identification. God. Not, 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 intelligent information. Titles, titles, titles. All right. Yeah. So with the VP of intelligence and identification, you know, that, that seems to be more of a scouting role. And, you know, obviously he has chops in scouting. Um, What it could be signaling to me, you know, Presti's taken very much of a driver's seat in terms of scouting. You know, he's, he's revealed to us in press conferences that, you know, he learned about Josh Giddey and like kind of fell in love with Josh Giddey from watching his film when he was in quarantine in a hotel room. Like, you know, he, it seems like he takes a scouting very like hands-on, a very hands-on approach to that. Um, with bringing in a guy that, you know, has, you know, all this experience scouting and somebody that Presti seems to trust with scouting seems to be in my eyes possibility that he can kind of be straying away from scouting and giving him how many times can I say scouting in 30 seconds, but, you know, kind of giving him controlling of scouting while Presti hangs on to, um, you know, obviously contract negotiations and um, not only that, but trades like trade talks, because, you know, we have this, you know, mountain of assets. Um, you know, we have this you know, ridiculous flexibility that's going to be coming up in 2023. You know, you have all these things to kind of play with as a GME, like it or as a GM, um, you know, it's kind of like a sandbox, like for a GM, like it, it's what you want to do as a GM. It's what you do whenever, you know, you make a franchise on 2k, you like, you start trading the pieces around, like, and you know, when you have more ammunition, you know, you're more apt to do so. So, I think it could be Presty's taking a step back from scouting as you know our picks start to get lower. You know, in the range where like not not that they're not so important, but that I guess the uh, the emphasis on the franchise is in a different area than scouting. And you know, he could be given the reins to Rosman while Presty takes a hands on approach in you know the team building that he has to do. Like you know putting pieces around Shay Gideon and Chet, Um, you know, to, you know, fit them to put them in a title contention window. And uh, in so many words, that, that's what I have to say. How, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, that was some, I forget who it was. I saw someone on Twitter. Maybe it was you. I don't remember if you tweet about that or not, but I saw I someone know. on Twitter <laughs> mentioning something kind of similar mm. and i think it would make sense i mean you know there's gonna be a lot of stuff coming up with potential trades as we look to it kind of seems like what we've been saying over the past few seasons is 2023 might be the year that we try and kind of not return to contention but start trying to push to get back to where we were mm. and if that is the case then there's a lot of trades that are going to come at some point or at least a lot of evaluating trade opportunities so it makes sense that we'd bring in a guy like vince who like we talked about, has a lot of experience scouting guys and has done a great job of it to kind of take the reins on that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And also, Alex, I think what you were saying about him potentially being Sam Presti's replacement one day, I also think that makes a
1: lot of sense too. Yeah, I think both things can be true, absolutely. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it, it could definitely be something to where, you know, you give him, you know, Sam Presti gives him one job, sees how he performs there, and then eventually kind of, you know, brings them into another part of the organization, gives them another title, whatever, VP of, you know, salary cap handling or something like that. Um, and then kind of moves on, you know, moves them up the, the ladder, you know, from that point. So uh, I, I definitely agree with what, what you're saying, um, Dylan. You know, I do think that, you know, handing over a piece of of the organization, a piece of that whole pie um, does take a little bit more off of Sam's plate. And so Sam can concentrate maybe on you know, the other aspects of team building other than just the draft. So I do agree with that.
1: All right. I like it. We're in agreement together. Sam Presti an evil genius. He's he's thinking 20 moves ahead. And uh, one of the moves that he thought ahead was bringing in his old friend from the San Antonio days, shooting coach legend, Chip England. Guys, I got to tell you, this was the, like I was pretty excited during the check game, during the crossover, but, Like this is probably the most excited I've been since the draft to see that we hired not only a shooting coach, like finally we're hiring, hiring a shooting coach. For those of you who don't know, not every team has a shooting coach. You know, it's not a luxury. It is a luxury. It's not something that you have to have on the roster. Um, But it's something that the Thunder has needed for a very long time, going back to the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant years. And to not only bring in a shooting coach, but like, the best shooting coach like in the league, like many people say the best shooting coach in the world. Like I, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm I'm so freaking excited. Um, Alex, I'm going to go to you, man. What, what was your thoughts when you first saw the Woj bomb that we was bringing in Chip England?
2: Man, like my first thought was about time. Like it's about damn time. Like <laughs> I remember during like the, like the Durant Westbrook years and we would see those videos of lethal shooter. And we'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, he's working with Andre Robertson. Oh, he's working with, you know, this person or that person. And it's like, why does it why don't we hire him? You know, why don't we hire him full time, you know, on this team? And you know, Lethal Shooter on his on his little post was always posting, like, oh, you know, I got this interview with this team, I got this interview with that team. And it's like, oh man, was it the thunder? You know, but finally we got that one guy. And look, I what what I what I compare this hire to is in the same in, in the same point in the rebuild in the last iteration the thunder hired Ron Adams to be yeah. their defensive coordinator I, I believe that was you know i believe that was the year before they won 50 games you know they hired ron adams ron ron adams came in helped out with the defense you know solidified that team defensively because you already had durant you already had westbrook you already had harden you know harden was just coming in as a rookie so the offense was there it, it may have been orga- disorganized, it may have been a little bit, you know, a little bit immature, but the offense was there. The defense is where it needed help. And so Ron Adams came in, kind of shored that up, and that team jumped from 23 wins to 50 wins. And, you know, they took off from there. Um, I could see something similar happening with this team, you know, as far as, you know, the game has changed. It's a lot more focused on shooting. And so if you can take the players that you have and you can increase their three-point shooting percentage by – two, three points, it makes that much difference. Um, and so a guy like Giddy, a guy like, you know, like Dort, a guy like Chet, maybe refining his shot, maybe, you know, looking for places where he he excels. Um, a guy like SGA, you know, he's a great shooter, but he's had efficiency issues, you know, this past year. And, you know, as, as the main guy on the team, the main offensive focal point, you know, efficiency is a big thing. Um, and so hiring this guy – to pinpoint you know certain certain characteristics that can make a player better in that part of the game i think that could be a game changer if it you know if it works out to fruition
1: yep how you feeling about it cone yeah cone um... Cone is cone is
2: bored bored (laughs) he's he's yawning
0: (laughs) no i think it's great um like alex was saying it like the idea of a guy shooting like 31 as compared to 33% isn't that insane. Like it doesn't feel like that big of a jump, but it's huge. Like it's the difference between like a 33% shooter and a 35% shooter, or like, like a guy like, you know, Darius Baisley, he's shown the potential to be solid defensively. Like if he could get a consistent three point shot, he becomes that much more valuable to this team and he unlocks a new role. Like, it does a lot. A guy like Poku, who has shown some flashes of things all over the court, but needs to get the jumper more consistent to really be a staple on this team. Having the opportunity to work with a shooting coach like Chip, it does a lot for this team. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. I think that he is, you know, it it won't make it's not going to turn us from like a lottery team to a contender or anything like that. But I think when we do get down the line and we're trying to go from a team that, you know, maybe we make the playoffs to a team that's trying to compete or, you know, right in like the finals, like a team that's just trying to outplay the other team, like these small moments and these coaching hirings do matter a lot. You see a lot of teams that have great coaches that go on to win it all. And it's not just the head coach. It's like everyone on the staff. It's what we were just talking about the front office thing. Like, it's important to have guys in every single spot in the organization to win a championship, every like front office, like GM, like president or whatever. Anytime they win a championship, they're like, it's a whole organization thing. And it really is. So um bringing in a guy. And I think it also really shows because he was with the Spurs for how long, like 20 some years, 17, 17, right around 20 years. Like that's forever. And the fact that he decided to, Go ahead and leave from the the Spurs to come here says a lot, I think, about the organization and what we're building. I because I'm sure that if he's just like oh, you know, I don't I don't want to be in San Antonio anymore anymore. Like I'm sure any number of teams would have loved to bring him in, like any number of teams. But he came to OKC. So sure, some people are probably like, oh, you know, the Spurs are gonna suck, whatever. Like he probably wanted to leave. But the fact that he chose OKC out of all teams to come to, I think it says a lot about what we're building here. And it shows a lot about the respect that a guy like him, who's well-established as one of the best shooting coaches in the world, decided he wanted to come to Oklahoma City. And I don't want to take, you
2: know, also the timing of this, I think it matters because, you know, I believe it was Monday um, that either Woj or Shams put out that, the is it 10 or 13 teams who, who weren't taxpaying teams, you know, they got their cut of the revenue sharing, which was about $10, $10 million. Um, and so I believe that matters. I believe that matters in negotiations. I believe that matters in trying to make hires like this. Um, and so if, you know, let's say, for instance, Ship England was waffling or he was, you know, getting overtures from other teams, having that extra money, that extra, you know, that extra little bit, you know, maybe helps in, in contract negotiations and, and getting a guy in. Same thing with a guy like Vince Rosman. You know, it just, it just helps out to have that extra money um, coming in to make these types of hires.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I was, I was sitting here trying to look at the um, – because I know when Woj tweeted out the article, he talked about the specific players that he kind of helped throughout his career. And he mentioned Tony Parker. He mentioned um, – Patty Mills, I think you mentioned Dejounte Murray, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi is the one that kind of sticks out in my mind because going into the draft, like Kawhi, everybody knew what kind of a dog Kawhi was in terms of like defense, but it was always offense that was the hangup. It's like, well, you know, he he's a great defender, but he can't shoot. Like, I'm let me uh, let me pull up his college stats here for his three point shooting because I, I I know it's atrocious at San Diego State why Leonard shot 29% or 29.1% in his sophomore year and 20.5% in his freshman year. So like the dude was not a good three point shooter. And when he was drafted to just to the Spurs, um, I think they talked about it in the article. This was the lockout year that he was drafted. Um, Chip England had kind of showed him uh, something to, I, I think he was shooting above his head and he showed him how to bring the ball in front of his face. And, you know, from there, like you know the lockout happened, and he wasn't able to work with him, but he worked on just that little just that little change and his freshman or his rookie year he shot thirty seven point six percent and going all the way down, i mean I mean, you know you can have the San antonio year um but honestly like you know Toronto and the clippers years as well like he's never shot below 35 percent from three except for 2017 he played nine games he shot 31 percent from three so i'm not counting that against him the point is like the dude works miracles in in terms of like you know fixing somebody's jump shot and you know alex kind of touched on a few people that like it could really help in terms of shooting and like you know we can kind of go around the table just talking about who we're most excited about you know with him working with and I mean, the obvious answer, the easiest answer is Josh Giddy, man. Cause like he does so many other things on the basketball court, specifically in the offensive end, he does literally everything on the basketball court besides shoot the ball. And like <laughs> I I remember um I don't remember who it was I was talking to, but we was talking about Josh Giddy shooting and I thought he shot like thirty percent from three, but no, he he shot twenty six point three percent from the three point line last year. Like that's that's abysmal. Like Andre Robertson at his worst shot 29% from 3. I'm pretty sure. So like that's that's terrible for Getty. So you know obviously like we want him in the 30s, you know, at, at the at the very least. But if he's able to like for his career like shoot 33, 34%, maybe even creep into 35%, like that is game changing for him. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star like, you know, some people say he can be, but uh, you know, if, if he makes his three point shooting like that, but just the not even the gravity, just the fact that you know, you're gonna have to pay attention to Giddy on the three point line, you can't just leave him wide open. It's gonna leave lanes open for Shea, it's gonna give opportunities for Chet diving to the rim, it's gonna, you know, leave you know, Trey Mann and Santa in the corner, you know, wide open for three, like it's gonna give other guys opportunity if Josh Giddy, you know, is able to you know, sees the opportunity working with Chip England and, you know, really fixing his shot. And, you know, the, in terms of the form, like it doesn't look terrible. I'm sure there's like some minor tweaks as, as the guys that know Stanley say all the time, I'm not a shot doctor. Um, but the easy thing I think that it is the, is the fix on Josh Giddy's shot is his base. Like that scissors kicks thing, man, like it's gotta go. <laughs> it, it, it's not, it doesn't look good you could tell it isn't like you could tell it's not helping and it, it's got to go. And I think that that's a, that's a great foundation, you know, no pun intended, but that's a great foundation for fixing his jump shot. So yeah, I'm really excited to see him work with Josh Giddey. Uh Cohen, who's somebody that you're excited to see Chipping and work with?
0: Josh Giddy's the obvious one. Um, but Lou Dort is the guy that I'm really excited to see him work with uh, Lou has shown a ton of defensive potential and some flashes of three and D. But if he could get his three point percentage like just up a little bit, um, what did he shoot last season? I feel I think it was like 32. I'll pull it up while you're talking. I think 32, 32.
2: 31.
0: Yeah, I want to say 32 percent. But anyways, if you could bring it up a little bit. 3.2. 33.2. Like, okay. I knew it was th- like 32, 33. Um, but if you could bring that up a couple spots to like 35 percent, that's huge for Dohert. Um, he already showed a lot of flashes of improvement at attacking the basket, but if his three point shot becomes just that more respectable, then like you were just saying there, it opens up looks for other guys. People already respect it. But if he starts shooting 35% from three, once again, he becomes one of the best three and D like guards in the league immediately. So really excited to see him more with them. Of course, like you said, giddy, um, then a lot of just the developmental guys, guys like Poku, Basley. Um, you know, Usman Jiang is another name that I don't know if we've mentioned. Um, yeah, shout out U's. Um, But he is a guy that's kind of more of a raw prospect. But if he comes into the organization and immediately gets to start working with him, you know, by the time when he's coming around, like say two, three years, when he's really expected to start producing a lot for this team as a young kind of pros- like project guy, that's the word I was looking for he's already had two or three years of working with this elite level shooting coach to continue to get better. It's not like he's coming into the, like some guys have a lot of time to build up these bad habits. He's coming straight out of um, the draft and immediately has the chance to work with this world-class shooting coach. So I think that also goes a long way for him.
1: about you, Alex? Who, Who are you most excited to see him work with? I mean,
2: so all the obvious choices, you know, you have you have Giddy, you have Dort. Um, I'm I'm kind of excited to see him work with JRE. Um, I feel like JRE is, you know, he's going to be expected to play a lot of minutes. He's going to be expected to to play alongside Chet and provide that, you know, provide that uh, that strength up front that Chet may not be able to pro- provide yet. And so if he can go out there and he can shoot, you can have, you know, if you can have a big man combo that is able to shoot in the mid, you know, in the mid thirties, you know, you have something there, especially with all the creation that SGA and Giddy do, you know, you have a ton of, uh, of ability there. If you have your, your front court shooting 35, around 35% from three. So I do think JRE is going to be one that, you know, he could, he could, his, his development of his shot or his consistency of his shot, Mm -hmm. um, could be like that that thing that takes us either from you know 24 wins or up to like 30 31 wins type thing
1: yep pop quiz uh, do you do you have a guess for what jRE's three-point shooting was last year it was like 28 percent Cone, you got a guess Cone, you're muted brother 31 32 he actually shot 35.2% from three last year. How I was gonna say 34
0: times? at first. I was gonna say 34 at first, and then Alex made me feel really bad. And I was like, am <laughs> I completely misremembering this?
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, we get that up to 37, 38. Game yeah. changer.
1: Knocked down, man. And you know, he can he guarded harden for that uh you know that one possession too and guarded him well. So I, I'm really high on Jerry. Like I, I thought he looked great in summer league. Like, you know, we didn't really talk about him much in terms of you know in comparison to Giddy and Chet and all that. But, yeah, I'm real excited for JRE. And if he can provide a consistent knockdown threat um, at the four or five spot um, alongside Chet and, you know, the other guys on the team, yeah, that would be huge. Um, Just one more, like, underrated, you know, like Cone touched on, like all the prospect guys. And, Alex, you kind of mentioned this a second ago. But with Shea, man, like, if he could just – like speed up his shot just a little bit more. Like the load up is still a little bit slow, specifically off the dribble and eliminate the hitch, man, because, you know, I was watching like replays, you know, when we was researching for the Shay's greatest hits thing. And, you know, obviously I, I watched the team Canada games as well. And we had Yanni on here of OK3 and he was there like in person. He saw it like during warmups and everything like the hitch is there. And, you know, yeah, it goes in. Sometimes it goes in a lot of times, Um, but it, it it could be better. Like it could be so much more fluid and hopefully, you know, and we know how good of a worker Shay is. We know how hard of worker he is when he gets in the lab and he has time to work on his game. (laughs) Um, So, you know, hopefully he gets in the lab with chip and, you know, really like is receptive to what he's saying and trying to fix a shot. Because man, if Shay like becomes like a knockdown shooter, like I'm not even talking about 40% from three i'm talking about like if he's like consistently 38 39 for the rest of his career like look out because he's already a menace when it comes to driving the league he's already like i'd say a top five finisher at the basket like he's up there with the Kyrie irvings and steph currys and trey youngs of the world um and you know he's consistently growing his game so if he's able to become that kind of a knockdown shooter like it's all bets are off like i don't want you to tell me he can't be the number one option on a championship team anymore just not a conversation but um yeah that, that's all we got to say about Chip england so before we move into the last portion of our podcast when we move into the greatest hits I want to take a break to hear from a word from our sponsors hey guys just wanted to take a moment to give us a word from absolutely nobody well actually giving you a word from us because as i mentioned in the pod last week we do have merch Um, This is a podcast exclusive because as of this recording, I haven't put out any tweets about it. So for your exclusive chance to get our merch, go to shop.believe.com and search OKC. That is if you want less of a player-driven shirt Uh, that's got a nice little uh, graphic of the cityscape and it has Oklahoma City. It's a very clean shirt. Or if you want something a little bit more loud, you want something with that's a little bit more player driven you can go to bonfire.com slash store slash topic dash thunder now on that we've got shirts supporting the jane gang we got shirts supporting chet holmgren of course we got all the awesome shea shirts and of course uh we could throw it back we've got the thunder nation shirt we got i just want a hoop back in the chris paul era And we've got the classic, the one that you need for this rebuild, Trust the Presti. So head on over to either one of those websites. That is bonfire.com slash store slash topic dash thunder or shop.believe.com and search OKC. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the pot. And I hope that's easy to cut up with the Streamyard thing, but we'll find out. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) Might have to start doing just live ad reads in the middle of the in the middle of the stream if this is what we're doing. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Is there a mid roll this week or are we just doing the merch?
2: Uh there's not. I believe it's just merch. And I believe the, the thing is, is the same. The that online is the same.
1: Okay, cool. Cohen, did you get your venmo by the way? Yes, I did.
0: Okay, cool. You Don't did. spend it
1: all in one place. <laughs> I'll hold on to as much as possible. <laughs> That's like Jerry says like ooh $50 I can get pool supplies for that. <laughs> it's like yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's get into it. Guys, last week we did Shay's greatest hits, uh you know, we've been kind of we're kind of introducing this new segment as we're in the doldrums of the offseason with uh you know, talking about the high moments for, you know, all, really all the guys on the team. Well, I I mean to say we'll do all of the players on the team is kind of optimistic, but all the main players, we will definitely talk about their greatest hits, and you know, in this segment, you know, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the top moments from the season. Last week, we did Shea. It was a great time walking down memory lane. Uh, you know, just really, just remembering like how awesome this dude is, and really getting me more and more excited for the season to just watch him work after a full offseason, his first full offseason since he had been with the Thunder. Um, you know, just in the lab, improving his game. So. Today, we're going to be doing Lou Dort and talk about Lou Dort's greatest hits. So, uh, Cohen, you was absent for this one. So, I'm going to kick it to you, man. You can start us off. What was your top moment for Lou Dort's greatest hits?
0: Um, just to clarify, is this just this season or all time?
1: Just this season, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's what I thought because I was going to say. Yeah, you can't do this first game winner.
0: <laughs> man, um, I, was also, I could also go back to game seven if I really wanted to.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but, yeah, no, I mean – one that immediately comes to mind is his OT takeover against the mm-hmm. Mavericks, I believe it was. Um, just incredible stuff. Could not miss. Um, there was nothing they could do to stop him. Um, I, I forget how many points it was. Was it 16? Was it
1: oh, it was, <sighs> it was more
0: than Six, more. Apples? 16 might be too high. Yeah, he, had, um, he had 41 total, right? I think he had 41 total. Um, I forget how many points it was. I 16 might be the record. That might be Curry's record. Yeah. Um, See Dorton Mavs OT 14, I think 16. Straight. 14? Okay. Yeah. He scored
1: um, 30 and then included 14 straight in overtime.
0: All okay. Right. Yep. 14. Uh insane. Absolutely ridiculous. Um he could he physically could not miss. Like it didn't matter what he did. He was, I'm pretty sure he did go perfect from the field in that overtime. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just an incredible takeover and a huge – we've seen Dort's defense. We know what he can do on that end. A huge part of what he's going to continue to improve at and get better and become the best player he can be is that offensive improvement. So to see him go off like that against a team that ended up making the Western Conference Finals, and now that we look back on it, taking over in overtime, just no matter who they threw on Dort to try and guard him, it didn't matter. He was just scoring on everyone. Uh, One of the highest point totals in an overtime period ever – um, you know, that's what Ludor does. So, uh, just really cool moment to see from a guy who's typically looked at by most people as a defensive guy, although we know better.
1: Yep, for sure, man. That was, I, I thought that was going to last a little bit longer, but yeah, man, that was, that was a moment that was wild. And, you know, I, I talked about, it, he scored 30 points. I was trying to find the box score. I the, We played the Mavs so many times this season, I couldn't find it, but um, you know, he had thirty points in that game, and he had fourteen in overtime. So he only he only had sixteen going into the game, and I feel like he kind of struggled um, throughout that game, if if I'm not wrong. And just to see him like shake off his struggles <laughs> of the first four quarters and just completely take over, going toe to toe with Luca, because I feel like Luca was uh, kind of in his bag that night. Um, yeah, man, like it, like all the expectations I had for Dort was just blown out the window in that moment. Um, you know, obviously I knew he was great defender and I know he could, you know, contribute offensively in spurts. Uh, you know, you kind of remember what he did against Utah jazz last year. Um, but yeah, man, like the, that overtime thing was just, it was something else. And like, I mean, the thing that kind of just got me is that he
2: wanted that win. Like he literally carried us to that win. Like he was not going to back down from Luca. He was not gonna, you know, allow this team to beat us. And it was just like, like you said, like, Dort is – he's seen as this defensive player and just a defensive player. Um, but, man, he, he's hes more. He's, he's, he's something more. Um, and so, you know, this game kind of – this game, along with the Houston game, seven, along with the Utah game, um, just kind of shows you that there's more to this player other than just being a defensive player.
1: Yep, absolutely, man. And I'm <laughs> – I'm trying to pull up this game's bro. You were so still that I thought you had frozen.
2: Like I'm talking and I'm like, <laughs> they can't even hear me. Like you were so still, man. Like I'm
1: like, like Drax, I was, man. I
2: was, I was even looking at your glasses to see like if, if like the screen changed on your glasses. Like I was like, am I frozen?
1: Yeah, no, I'm like Drax, man. I stand so still that you know you don't even you don't even see me here. Who was, um, who, who was our center in that game? Do you remember that? Uh, well, I got it. I got it pulled up here. Uh, we had Mama D Diakite, yep.
2: Maladi Diakite.
1: Yeah, he he had two points and ten rebounds in that game.
2: Those, those were fun days.
1: Oh yeah, uh, Trey Man had a great game. That game he had twenty nine points. But I, I pulled up the play play by play here to kind of see what happened overtime. So uh, let's see here. So he opens up overtime with a three pointer. Um, he gets fouled. He makes two free throws. That's five points. Luka makes a shot. Lou gets a layup. Lou gets two free throws. Lou makes a step-back three-pointer. Makes two free throws. Luke makes a layup. Yeah, so like you said, come. Dord didn't miss a shot in that game. Um, let's see here. So he made one, two, three. He made three shots in overtime. So yeah, before overtime math he was 6 of 14 shooting going into overtime and then he made those three shots and obviously the free throw so yeah uh to shake off a slow start like i was saying to really bounce back like when it mattered most against one of the best players in the league yeah that was awesome it's a great pick going great pick um alex going to you man what's a what's Dort's greatest hit for you from this season
2: I mean, of course, the Dallas game. But uh, second on that list is the steal and layup against Sacramento yep. um, to win that game. That was, you know, that was just fun. That was just it. Kind of felt like the uh, uh, what was it in the in the in the playoffs against Memphis one year where um, Westbrook stole the ball from Conley um, to either, to tie the game, and then that game went to overtime, and I think they had a couple like and one three-pointers whatever oh, yeah, but it's kind of, serious. Yeah, yeah it kind of reminded me of, of like that play um and you know we actually won the game so like i actually thought he was gonna pull it back and kind of set up or call a timeout but he just kept on trucking along man and he got that layup in there
1: yep it was nice man he probably got fouled too like there was a lot of contact yeah, he did. And, they, and they didn't call it um yeah, man. I mean, I think that was the debut of our city jerseys for this year uh, and and also like the debut of like our brand new city court, too. So um, I know the fans were all there like showing up like in full force for that moment. Um, but for them to like, you know, see Dort show up in that moment, stripping, you know, not not some schlub, not some random point guard by De'Aaron Fox, like somebody that the M- NBA fans hold in very high regard. Um, you know, to see him strip him, like just absolutely strip him at that point in the game and then driving in and scoring. Yeah, that was awesome, man. That's a good pick. I knew that was going to be on there. Um, All right. So I'm going to go with, uh, I've got a couple options here, but I'm going to go with, uh I'm going to go with the one against the Warriors. Um, I-, I watched it back. Uh Somebody missed a shot. Favors got the rebound kicked out to what Wil- Kendris Williams who was wide open from three. He pulled up, he missed it, but, as soon as he was about to shoot it, you could see Lou Dort coming from the right wing, taking off like a bat out of heck, jumping up top, and just putting Steph Curry on a poster. <laughs> like it was language, it was... language,
2: Dylan, language.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it, it was just amazing, man. It, it was seeing, it was fun to see him climb upstairs and you know put it on Curry's head one time. You know, for the obvious reasons, you know the Thunder rivalry that we have for so many years with the Golden State Warriors, and a lot of Thunder fans still hold. um, I don't so much like I really enjoyed watching the Warriors final run but that's not the, that's besides the point. Um but yeah just seeing Dort putting on Curry's head that was that was a lot of fun. Come what do you remember about that? Was you what was that a night that you was like absolutely going crazy on Twitter?
0: Um <laughs> uh, I actually tweeted about that a few days ago, uh the dunk over Curry. I forget mm-hmm. why I just randomly thought about it um but i tweet out something like y'all remember when lou dunked on finals mvp steph curry (laughs) because we can say that now um i had a tweet in my drafts if the celtics had won the finals um of trey man when he scored like 20 was it 23 points against the celtics in one quarter Mm -hmm. and i was like wow guys remember when trey man dropped 23 in one quarter against the (laughs) nba champion boston celtics um Sorry, I had I had something like that locked and loaded, but yeah, man, it was it was fun to watch uh, Lou Dort. You know, he really does feel like he continues to get more athletic, more adept at finishing at the rim, um, and dunks like that are. Dort really just makes all those hustle plays. Whenever there's like a loose ball or a ball's in the air, you know, if he's in position, Dort's going to go ahead and make that play. And that's part of why we love him and why he was very deserving of that contract. I can't believe people on Twitter thought that was an overpay. I don't know if I've ranted about that on here, but yeah, ridiculous. Um, Dort deserved that contract. So. Uh, And, you know, partially because he dunked on finals MVP and some people's (laughs) bet. there have been some people on some NBA talk shows saying um, one of the the greatest player of all time or whatever, um, Steph Curry. So
1: clearly Lou Dort clears,
0: at least in that department.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, it's like Alex said about his contract, like at the very least, like he's being back paid for how underpaid he was for the past few years. But um, yeah, Uh, Cone, did you have any other moments that really stuck out to you for Lou Dort this year?
0: There was, I can't remember what team it was against. He had this layup and I've been thinking about it for days now. I can't remember what team it was against. He had this insane up and under layup. It might've been an and one, or I can't remember what team it was against. I'm trying to look for it now as we're talking because it's really bugging me because I wanted to bring it up. Uh, But I guess that's just kind of indicative of his great ability to finish um and how much he's improved but it was just that layup sticks with me and I I can't remember what team it was against I'm gonna keep looking and see if I can find it um actually I should probably just search my tweets I bet if I search Lou Dort layup um I can probably find it in my tweets but it was it was ridiculous I want to say well I was gonna say it was against like a, a team where it's weird because I think it was on our city court. So I was trying to picture the team we we're playing against some what court, but man, I can't, I can't think of that. Whatever. Lou Dort, the, his ability to finish that crazy layup. If I can find it, I'll find it. But otherwise um, just his ability to finish got way better this season. Crazy acrobatic layups and stuff.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm currently watching a highlight video as we speak, trying to find it as well. Um Yeah. Well, We'll do some research on that and try to find it for you, uh, Alex. Did you have one that another one that stuck out for you? Uh, so I
2: think it was a it was a play against the Nuggets where he shot it. It was short and it kind of rebounded back to him. He got you know he got into a scrum trying to get it uh, for the offensive rebound. I, I believe he kicked it out to Giddy. He relocated to the other side of the court got the pass back and hit the three. Like, I remember that play. Um, And just, I mean, just in general, um, his, he dunked a lot more this year. And I like that. Mm -hmm. And I like his dunks because they're very powerful. And so, you know, those, you know, all those dunks and all those, like, you know, those, like there's, there's a dog, you know, there's like, there's kind of a dog missing on this team. And Lou Dort kind of fills that role. Um, And I, and like his dunks this year, have been more, you know, dog-like. And so I've, I've, I really liked that aspect of his game, his ability to finish around the rim, his ability to just, if he's up there, he's going to dunk it on you. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I, that's, that's a lot of what I remember of Lou Dord this season.
1: Yeah, no, I feel that, man. Um, talking about his dunks, a couple more stand out. Um, you know, it's, we, we can't go as long on greatest hits on Lou Dort as we can with Shea because, you know, Shea has the ball in his hand. Shea's the one that's creating these shots and these moments that, you know, stick out in our mind. But there was a couple more moments. Uh, one off of a feed from Josh Giddey against the Chicago Bulls. Dort cut at the right moment. And, like, I, I, I'm i watching a highlight video, and it's the very first clip of it. I, I saw this earlier. But um, Lou Dort just absolutely putting Nikola Vucevic on a poster. Uh, in the Bulls game, like just punching it with one hand right over top of him, man. Like, yeah, you know, I know Vuk isn't like Rudy Gobert or anything like that, but dude's still seven foot. Like, he's he's still taking up space down there, and Lou Dort just putting it on his head like it's nothing. I uh, really enjoyed seeing that, and and the other one that really stuck out was uh, against Jalen Green and the who's in the Houston Rockets um another it was another similar situation like the warriors game like it was coming off of a rebound but like just climbing up top i'm like this this one was probably more on Jalen green's head than it was on steph curry's head um like Jalen green was actively like up there trying to get the ball like curry was trying to get the ball but he can't get up there like Jalen green was and Dort just took it from him and absolutely put it on his head put him on his g-shirt and yeah I i remember that one that one was good I think we lost that game too, but like that was that was a win in Thunder Twitter's mind. Like, hey, we dunked on Jalen Green's head. That's, that's all that matters. Um, I think I found the
0: layup. It was against the Warriors. I'm pretty sure it was the same game where he dunked on Curry. So, um, which also brings me to the fact that Mask Lou Dort became a thing this year. Oh, uh, yes. Mask Lou Dort is yes. that was a great one because apparently he dunked on Curry and hit this ridiculous layup that stuck in my mind in the same game. So, um, you know,
1: yeah, and you know, and what sucks is that we couldn't like they banned the black mask in the NBA. Like seeing Dort with a blast mask would have just black, ma- a blast mask. Seeing Dort with a black mask would have just been like just menacing, just terrifying, man. Looking straight up like Batman or Bane, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, like just watching like the highlights of like Dort's like, um, top plays this year. I think the G League put out a video on it. You know, Alex was talking about how he's dunked a lot this year, but it seems like you know I'm not gonna say take look a leap or a jump. Like it seems like his finishing has Im- had improved a lot this year compared to years past at the rim. Like he had a lot of am one finishes. He had a lot of plays where he absorbed contact and flipped it up and was able to finish. Um, I-, I saw one against the Mavericks where he literally got like, or not the Mavericks, the Timberwolves where he literally got like shoved back with by Nas Reed and just flipped it up with one hand and put it in. Um, he had uh, another similar one against uh, the Pelicans. And then, like, also, you know, we don't see Lou Dort put a lot of dribble moves out, pull a lot of dribble moves out on somebody, but he had Todd Gibson isoed on him in a Knicks game. And Dort crossed from his left to his right, and then he spun around from his right hand just right by Todd Gibson for a nice little lefty layup. Like, if they had different jerseys on, you would think it was Shea Gildas alexander That's how smooth it was. That's, that's all I got to say. So yeah, well, Lou Dorit had some really fun plays this year and, you know, none marquee, like the, the iconic San Antonio Spurs game winner from the corner, laying down with his arms in the air and his teammates dog or, you know, dogpiling him, but you know, he still had some awesome moments and, you know, White like Cone mentioned, like, I'm glad we signed him. Like, I'm glad he's coming back. I'm excited. He's coming back because he's a guy that's improved every year on both ends of the floor. Um, I think this year we're going to see his role kind of simplified Like he's not going to have as many opportunities to create with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be more of a play finisher. And I think that that's going to be good for him because he's a guy that shoots over 40% from the corners. And if he has Shay and he has giddy, like he did last year, but he also has Chet who is a, Proven has proven potential and um, ability to be a playmaker, specifically kicking out from double teams because Chet was getting double teamed in in the summer league. I'm not going to say like, you know, summer leagues, the NBA, but like Chet's probably going to see some doubles and he has the ability to kick out to the corners to the open guy. So I think Dort's going to get a lot of easy shots on offense this year. He's not going to have to work as hard to manufacture his offense. And in turn, we're going to see that dog like, you know, I'm not gonna say that it was in his cage or in his doghouse last year because like Lou Dort still had some marquee moments defensively, but I think we're really gonna see him return to form defensively, like we did um his you know, his rookie year when he came in off a two-way contract. And like he was just on the court by just sheer power of will on the defensive end and his hustle. And you know, as he had to get more involved offensively, have more uh, responsibility offensively he had to kind of step back a little bit on defense. And that's understandable. <laughs> like You know, the more you're doing one side of the ball, like, you know, you, you can't give 2,000% the entire game on both sides of the ball. So I understand it. But, yeah, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a big year for Lou. Just maybe not in the big years in terms of numbers, but in terms of team impact and just, like, overall player. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be great.
2: Lou Dort makes an all-defensive team this year
1: i need it alex is bringing the spicy takes mm-hmm. thunder
0: top s- nine defense top yes. nine, top nine is a-
1: screw top 10
0: i was gonna say top 10 but i was like we already were a little bit last season we added chet <laughs> top nine at least <laughs> lou Dord all defense alex i'm with you
1: i love it hey i'm gonna go one further chet holmgren also all defense Oh, that would be a fun one. That would that would be crazy because we saw Evan Mobley
0: go crazy on defense last year and his name got in there a little bit. I think Chet will at least be in conversations.
1: Um, I, I think Chet's going to be a louder candidate for like his. That's true. Because I, I think he's going to get more
0: of those. Yeah. More of those like big blocks. Yeah. I'm with it. You know what? Both of them. throwing <laughs> Poku it. while we're at it. No. Okay,
1: okay let's calm down let's calm right, down.
0: Sorry, sorry guys sorry guys i got out of hand my fault my fault
1: don't get excited he hasn't he hasn't been on podcast or video for yeah. in like the past two weeks he gotta yeah, start throwing out
0: timberwolves takes and <laughs> poke all defense takes stuff like that man I, I gotta calm down my
1: fault i love it i love it well guys uh that, that's about all we got to cover Thunderwise here um Want to bring back a segment we haven't done a little bit, just you know, kind of checking in everybody with a little shay or nay action. So, for those of you guys that are new to the pod, because we got a lot of new listeners during the draft cycle, shay and nay is just when we talk about you know, something good that's happened to us in the past couple of weeks and something that not so good has happened in the past couple of weeks. But we always start with the negative so we can end with a positive. So, we're gonna to go to Alex first. Alex, what's a nay for you this week, man? A nay for me, um,
2: you know, just hey rest in peace Bill Russell you know one of the yeah. pioneers of the game the the uh, the utmost champion I think in, in team sports um, as far as how many he's won and you know and in the time that he played uh, so hey man rest in peace to a legend rest in peace to the guy that flicked off charge Charles Barkley and <laughs> you know, on live TV that was fun I um, mean apparently you know in his older age he was just flicking everybody off on in pictures so uh, but just rest in peace to him. Um, he was he was a legend you know him and him and Wilt Chamberlain had you know probably one of the biggest rivalries in the game and took it you know from the 60s and 70s into the 80s Um, and so you know just big ups to him and you know shout out to his family prayers up for them but yeah rest in peace to the big man
1: yep for sure man well said I have nothing to add to that uh do you have uh anything negative that happened to you in the past couple of weeks besides your wisdom tooth surgery oh man um
0: yeah i mean outside of the wisdom teeth the surgery nothing's been too crazy um just stress, trying to find an apartment to move into um for those of you that don't know i'm moving up to new york with my girlfriend in a few weeks um because she's starting grad school up there um so you know just like financial concerns like how am I going to manage to pay for an apartment up in New York city, which is ridiculously expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just in general finding one, because the market is insane right now. I don't know if anyone out there is looking for an apartment. Um, but there are some people like she was looking on like a New York city housing subreddit or something like that. And there are people on there like, I've never seen the market this insane in terms of like, like how hard it is to find a place to live. So it's, it's rough out there. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, getting ready for all that. Um, so I'm very excited for it. Don't get me wrong, but it is definitely stressful to yeah. make that transition.
2: Hey, the uh, the Ninja Turtles survived for about two decades in the sewers. So you can find you it was pizza. they pizza.
0: And they ordered it. I mean, so. There they, you go. Yes. That's true. I'll I'll bring that up to her later when we talk. I'll just bring her up. Hey, have we tried looking in the sewers, um, <laughs> you know? I'm sure we'd have to train in some kind of martial art too to pay rent, but you know, I'm I'm sure we could find time for that. But the rats will be there. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find some, some very wise rat to teach us and maybe he'll split the rent.
1: Listen, you can go Ninja Turtles. You could like just spray acid in your eyes and become daredevil. Like, I mean, there's a lot of options here, Connor. You just gotta, you gotta pick one, man. Mm -hmm. Radioactive spider. I I was
0: going to say, look for a radioactive spider too. I could do something like that. Uh, Yeah, man um it whenever i think about going to new york City, i always think about like the thing that people talk about like imagine if like the mcu like all the stuff that happens in new york yeah. in like, real life like like the re- like like i'm sure like new york and the mcu rents like four bucks like for a month with all the distru- like all the destruction and stuff like you're trying to go to work and the hulk picks up your car and throws it in an alien <laughs> like man just i mean it would be a disaster but i mean i'd be saving a lot of money on rent so i'd take the trade off
1: uh, you got to gotta have a lot of clauses in your insurance at that point.
0: Yeah. I mm-hmm. wonder if you have to get one for like each like superhero or if it's just like, you know, overall Avengers insurance. Or do I have to get like Hulk insurance specifically?
2: <laughs> you might die, but you'll be able to spend your money.
0: Exactly. And, but while I live, I'll be paying
1: $3 a month. So I love how this podcast for the third podcast in a row is just taking a turn into a Marvel tangent. Like, I love it. It's, it makes me so happy. Um, but now talking about the housing market, man, like, you know, it's, it's not just apartments in New York, right? Like, the housing market in Kentucky is just like out of control. Like, and it might push me into making a move elsewhere as well. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Shay for, or no, I, I got to go with an A for me. So in the past couple weeks, so my birthday was, was it last week? Yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? I think so. Hmm. talking to myself. Okay, yeah, I think it was last week. So last weekend was my birthday. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty normal day, but at work, somebody rear-ended me uh in my work truck. You know, I was fine or my truck was fine. Um, but like honestly, I didn't even really feel it because like I drive like a 28 foot flatbed truck and like I just felt like a bump. And I was like, Oh, somebody hit me. So I put my brake on and I walked around the front. Or, or, or walked around to the back and like this person's car is like the hood is just peeled like halfway up, the radiators busted, and like this girl is just freaking out. I it was it was a whole ordeal, and you know, kind of peep behind the curtain. Like at at my job, uh, the faster I can run loads out, is the more I get paid for the day. So like I don't get paid by the hour, like I get paid by the load that I run out. So sitting there for an hour and a half, like waiting to sift through all this nonsense on a Friday. Yeah. Not, not ideal, not ideal for the birthday, but, uh, yeah, long story short, uh, this girl, and, you know, nothing was wrong with me. Like they didn't charge me or anything like that because obviously I was, I was but, uh, this girl's car was totaled and she had a warrant out for her rest. So they ended up picking her up because she missed the missed a bench for it. So yeah, great, great time on my birthday. So that was, uh, that was my name. Was Getting shay people arrested
0: week. on your birthday ridiculous yeah
1: well hey the way she was him, acting she kind hey, of I, hurt
2: I, I told him this is the uh this is the beginning story of a of, uh, super villain
1: oh yeah that's the, the villain, villain she, origin story for her origin story <laughs> yeah it, it was wild times man but um uh let's go back to alex man alex what was your shay for the past couple weeks man
2: I oh, just had a uh, just had a little a little vacation that was very relaxing, went to a friend's house in Dallas. Um, and today, I mean, like I was talking about with the with the Orbeez, man, that was that was fun. man. I went to his birthday party, took my 12 year old um, over there and I wasn't expecting necessarily to do anything. But, you know, he had this little, you know, it's this guy that I know from church and he had this, you know, he had a little course set up in his gym. And it was just like it was awesome just to be pelting you know teenagers with uh, with Orbeez guns, man. Like it was just it was fun. So
1: I had fun with that. Yep, I like it. But you come Um, in your suffering. What what was good in your suffering? Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Good.
2: And I, I, I so I have not gone back to school in like over a decade. And so I've kind of decided to go back and do a a master's program at my university. So I took a, you know, took a class this summer and it, it just happened to be probably the hardest class that I'm going to have in this program because it's the writing class. And even though I write a little bit on the website, I don't like writing about research. That's, that's boring. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm the type of person that I, I, when I write, I get to the point. And if I have to write a 12 to 15 page, paper that, that doesn't work in my in my favor. Uh, but I wrote my paper, I did what I had to do, and I got an A on the class. So
1: yes. Bro, I just gotta say, like the fact that you work two full jobs, you have like 12 kids in your house, you and you know you you almost don't miss a pod on top of like you taking that extra class, like just just my hats off to you. Like props to you man. Like you're you're killing it.
2: Thank you. Probably gonna kill myself here soon. But oh,
1: yeah, with, with all this, all this work, let's turn dark legend Alex Roy. Yeah, there you go. Give him a 10 day presty exhibit 10. Uh, all right, Cone in the suffering, what was good, man? Um, I don't know if I've been on the
0: pod since I went to Summer League or not. I don't, know I don't think I... you
1: have, man. We got we ain't gotta talk about that.
0: Experience. Yeah, I when I went to Summer League, that was dope. Um, it was cool. um yeah, getting to see guys walking around. I passed Sam Presti at one point. Uh, I didn't realize until he had walked past me, and by that <laughs> time he looked like he was a man on a mission. So I'm like, I'm not gonna go chase him down. Um, uh, but yeah, saw him walked by a few NBA players. Uh I'm like six foot, so I'm not I'm not really short or anything like that. I have never felt more short in my entire life than walking around Summer League. Like, mm. even because there are NBA players, there are guys who aren't in the NBA but are really tall just on professional basketball teams and then how even like a lot of coaches or former players. And there's families of the players that are also tall. Like in my friend group, I'm like one of the tallest people in it. I felt so short walking around summer league. Uh, it was crazy, but it was really fun to see a lot of the guys um go out and play. I saw Chet uh, JRE, you know um, by the time that I got there, Giddy had been shut down. So I didn't get to see him play. Um, but get just getting to see some guys, Aaron Wiggins, really solid too. um, Usman Jang, his best game that he played. I got to saw, see that one too. And then just other guys like Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason. Uh, it was really cool. It was a really fun experience. I definitely go
1: again next year.
0: So that yep. was a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, Thunder's head coach. He's like, uh, or his, the summer league head coach. What was it? Cam Woods, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like six foot nine, right? He's, yeah, he's ridiculous with all. But yeah, not only that, man, but uh, I I heard that you got a hoop a little bit in Las Vegas and there was a uh, there, there, uh, certain Rusty Buckets was giving you uh, <laughs> quite the praise. The yeah, best man. basketball YouTuber Hooper out there.
0: Uh, according to him, um, I can't say I haven't played against everyone, but, you know, I thought I was doing well. Uh, the mid-range jumper was really working. I was feeling like I was in my shea bag a little bit there. Um, with the MIDI. Um uh, they told me that I have like an identical pull at mid-range to Russ is what one of them said. So um apparently I do. And high praise. Yeah man, apparently. Um one of the guys he's like I mean yeah. uh, is that high praise? Well, well what he said was you have a great he's like you have the be- best mid-range jumper I've ever seen. It's like Russ's except you actually have touch. <laughs> so uh, there so, we go. So, so yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> tough as of course as a Russ guy um but yeah it was really fun man I really enjoyed getting to hoop um didn't get to really record much of it um because we just didn't think about it at first like oh we'll warm up and then by the time we'd played like two three games that everyone was exhausted so um you know didn't get to record much of it in total but definitely next time I meet up with some guys I'll have to record some to post on like YouTube and stuff like that um it was a lot of fun though so I can't I can't necessarily deny the claims that I'm I'm good at basketball, uh, but I can't also say that I'm not the best uh, or I can't say that I am the best basketball YouTuber like in real life Hooper because I haven't played against a bunch of them. And I'm sure there are some that are like that may have like 37 subscribers and are like six, eight and a former D1 player. So I don't know if I can fully accept that, but I'll take the praise.
1: All right, hey, I like it, man. Hey, and anybody that thinks that it's going to be easy out against Top of Thunder in the media 3v3, like, forget about it.
0: Oh, yeah, if we do that, nah, we're... We're we're gonna run it. No no offense to any of the other podcasts out there, but I already know Alex has a strap on him. This man's gonna be drilling threes from the corner. Um, I feel like Dylan. I feel like you're really crafty, scrappy. You've got a lot of that defensive I hustle out there, man. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You give me a lot of dog just from talking to you. Um, like literally, our our team would be the tallest. Like you have Dolan at six four and a half. Or three
2: quarters. Owen's that tall. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know he was that tall. He's a monster. You, know, you, have, <laughs> you have you have Dylan at like what? Like six one, six. Yeah, six
1: I'm foot?
2: six one. You have you know tyranny at like six two.
1: hmm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I'm the shortest one. I mean, Jerry's the shortest one. I'm I'm not too far you know ahead of him. So Jerry's our Matthew Delvadova.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, really. <laughs>
1: No, he's Jose Alvarado, man. Jose Alvarado, that's
0: a <laughs> good that's a That's a more relevant currently pick. Although Del Vadova got picked up by the Kings, so. Oh, did he really? That, yeah, he's wow. back apparently. That's wild. Name I haven't heard in a really long time. Cohen, you want to say the Kings are going to be the one seed in the Western <laughs> No, I have absolutely no, no faith in the Sacramento Kings. Um, I do <laughs> think they could be solid. Kings, but, hey, yeah, I man, like the what they've done a lot. I like what they've done, but the West is, man, I recorded a video earlier where I was like power ranking the teams and I was just looking at the West, man. And it is absolutely absurd. Like there is no room for the Kings making the playoffs there. It is just not happening unless someone has a major injury. Um, So,
1: Yep. And it absolutely can happen. Um, I'm just going to close out on my Shay, Um, you know, really the past two weekends. So like last weekend I I played football in like a hundred degree weather um i i wanted to play the week before but things happened and i couldn't play and everybody said it was a good time so i was like all right i'm definitely playing it's my birthday like this this is happening and um i played quarterback first couple of games did really good and then i was like, all right i want to play a little bit of wide receiver um because everybody was tired because obviously it was really hot and i wasn't running as much for us quarterback but um i just gotta say 30 years old i'm still burning those kids like it's like, like it's nothing I, I i still got the wheels out there so that's yeah, it was a real good time. We played like three games. I brought an entire cooler of water for everybody, um, and like it, it was gone. And we probably played like two hours too. Like I was, I was shocked at how long we ended up staying out there. But yeah, it was a real good time. And then, uh, yeah, this weekend, um, took my kids to see the League of Super Pets earlier. It's actually a really solid movie, really enjoyable movie. Um, and yeah, man, like you know, just just chilling with the wife, watching uh, watching our shows. Uh, Start her on My Hero Academia for your anime fans out there. Um, one of my favorite animes and you know, starting her on it and she's enjoying it so far. So if you want to get into anime and you like superheroes, My Hero Academia is a is an easy gateway into anime, I would say. So, yeah, there we go. Well, hey, we talk about all topics on here, whether it's football, anime, Marvel, actual Top, basketball, topic thunder. anything but the thunder. Yeah. Topic everything, topic, including.
0: Topic rules. Yeah. <laughs> Topic, we were topic pelicans for a bit. Topic T Wolves is coming next. We were,
1: we were topic pelicans, absolutely. All right, boys. Well, hey, that's uh, that's all I got. Um, uh, I want to say thank you all for coming onto the podcast, uh, so late and after we had to reschedule for like three days in a row. Um, but also want to thank the listeners for their continued, continued support in the doldrums of the offseason. We're trying to give you guys a little bit something different every podcast just because you know we don't want it to sound like every podcast that you're listening to, you know, want to keep it fresh and uh, enjoyable for you guys. Uh, We will be coming back with more Family Feud episodes. I'm talking with some of the guys in No Ceilings. We're going to have a Thunder Twitter episode. Um, Mike Muscala might be rolling up with a couple Thunder players. Like it's, we got a lot of fun things in terms of Family Feud coming up. So definitely keep you here. Um, Will Top it. Thunder finally win a game? Tune in to find out. I'm gonna yeah, try I, and be there for the next one. Yeah, we need nope. we need Cone on there. He's <laughs> he's uh, he's one and zero in his time of Family Feud on Top of Thunder. 7. never lost, never generational lost.
0: prospect.
1: I love it. Spoken in. Hey, engine.
0: Tank Commander, right here.
1: Tank <laughs> Commander Alex. Nothing Roy. but
2: L's right here, dog.
1: I love it. Well, hey guys, um, hope y'all all have a great night. God bless, and don't forget,
0: Thunder up,
1: Thunder up, Thunder up.